0: the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Good morning. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It's quite the the passage. I don't think we really grasp the uh, importance of it. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father, we come before you this morning and we ask you to quiet our hearts, to help us to be still and to hear your still small voice speaking to our hearts, that we would understand what you have to say to us, not just in our heads but that we would apply it to our hearts and that we could uh, go forth proclaiming your word to those around us pray you bless the service Um, just be with us and help us to have our eyes fixed upon you pray all these things in your name amen morning I'm going to be preaching out of, or a little Bible study I guess, out of uh, Mark 12, and I titled it The Greatest Commandment, I think you all know where I'm going with that one, we all know what the greatest commandment is I think, but I read this little story um, and it stood out to me, Uh, many years ago a shabbily dressed boy trudged several miles through the snowy streets of Chicago, determined to attend a Bible class that was conducted by D.L. Moody. When he arrived, he was asked, why did you you come to a Sunday school so far from your home? Why didn't you go to one of the churches near your home? He answered simply, because you love a fellow over here. Just thinking, I was thinking about uh, the greatest commandment, about loving the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind and strength and loving our neighbors as ourselves and that stood out to me um, he, this little boy trudged several miles through the snow because he felt welcomed and loved at that Sunday school and I think we need to ask ourselves whether others can say that about us would they trudge through the snow to our home because they feel the love of our love for them. Is that my testimony to the world around me? Or our church's testimony to the world around us? <clears throat> uh, we all struggle with loving God and loving others like we should. Um, not, I don't think any of us can say we have a perfect love. Um, there's only one perfect love. Um, but love is the greatest need of humans. And it's also the greatest obligation of humans. Um that's uh quite the statement that's our greatest need but it's our greatest obligation to give to others and most of all to give to to god so if you're in mark it's uh mark 12 28 through 34 is what i'll be looking at um i've kind of divided it into four four sections um but let's read mark 12 28 through 34 And one of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one Lord and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment and the second is like, namely this. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said unto him, Well, master, thou hast said the truth. For there is one God, and there is none other but He. And to love Him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, and with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love His neighbor as Himself, is more than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered discreetly, he said unto him, Thou art not far from the kingdom of God. And no man after that durst ask him any question. So my first section is the scribe asks an important question. Um, So just a little bit of background, because in verse 28 it says, He heard them reasoning together. Um, So if you go back to chapter 11, there's a, in chapter 11 and then, and twelve also multiple times um, there's the uh, Jesus well Jesus continuously was continuously opposed by the religious authorities they were they challenged him a lot on um, I think it was first yeah, it was the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes were questioning him by what authority he was preaching and teaching and that was right I think when he cleansed the temple of the um, money changers and things, um, so they're asking what authority he did all these things in, and then in 12, 13 through 17, the Pharisees, along with the Herodians, tested him about taxation, and in 18 through 27, the Sadducees test him about the resurrection, and then 28 through 40, where we are, um, one of the scribes, after hearing all his answers, asked him to interpret something about scripture. So my first point is the scribe asked an important question. Um in twenty eights the question it says he asked him which is the first commandment of all. Um the scribes were the teachers or theologians I guess of the um the Israel of Israel and I think um they I think, from reading and just thinking about it, and they were asking him he he saw these answers that he was giving right answers, and one of the things I imagine that the scribes did a lot was go back and forth, debate you know like which which of the mosaic of the mosaic laws was the most important you know they they had i found a somewhere it said they had six hundred and thirteen commandments um which is a lot of commandments. But I think during um, from this we can see that despite all these countless rules and regulations, they, they kept expanding the law, I think. They, they kept adding to it, trying to find, can I say, the heart of the law. And so they were um, trying to test Jesus and ask him what was the most important one. Because I imagine this scribe had debated that many times. Um, and, but then also they wanted to know what the essence of the law was. So, um, so on one hand, they're discussing you know which one's the most important one, but then they're kind of trying to, in some way, come over and find out what the essence of the law is. And I think that's, in Jesus' answer, he cuts through all 613, if I can say, to the heart of it and where what comes out of that. Um, David, in Psalm 15, he reduces um, the law down to a lot less and he says Lord who shall abide in thy tabernacle or who shall dwell in thy holy hill he that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh the truth in his heart he that backbiteth not with his tongue nor doeth evil to his neighbor nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor in whose eyes a vile person is condemned but he honoreth them that fear the Lord he that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not, he that putteth not his money to the usury, nor taketh reward against the innocent, he that doeth these things shall never be moved. He kind of David, in the psalm there breaks it down, and I think in the first part, um, he's just saying who who can, well who can abide in your tabernacle or who can be in your presence, and he's saying. Um, those who walk uprightly and are righteous and speak the truth in their hearts. And then it kind of goes into what I would say is the other part of Jesus' answer here is how that outwardly works towards our neighbor. Um, He doesn't backbite or uh, doesn't do evil to his neighbor. Um, And then in Micah, Micah also reduces... The law down to one, can I say one uh, paragraph? Micah six eight says, "He who he hath showed thee, O man, what is good and what the Lord? What doth the Lord require of thee? But to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God." So if we do justly and love mercy and walk humbly with God, we can have. That's what the Lord requires of us that's that is the law in essence um so the scribe was asking an important question: what is the most important commandment? Um, I feel like I skipped over some things here, but I'm not sure where they went in my notes so <laughs> I think the scribe. Oh, this is the part I missed. The scribe's question and his response were somewhat sincere. And if we go into go to the kind of the parallel passage in Matthew 22, um, it reveals that even this scribe wanted to test Jesus, but it was a sincere question. But I do think it was also something that was just kind of a, I don't know if I want to say a big debate topic, maybe um, amongst them. So, but it was an important question. And so, uh, the second part of my study here is Jesus' response to the scribe's question, which is 29 through 31. And Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. Instead of Jesus belittling, can I say, or taking issue with all these added, added on laws um, of the 613 that they were supposed to obey. Um, instead of belittling some or giving, you know, kind of weighing in on a bunch of them. He, he just defines, I think, the essence of the law. Um, what, the, what the law was trying to get at. And that was that we're supposed to love the Lord with everything we have. Um, and in response, Jesus, is u- Jesus uses scriptures from the Old Testament um, and he, he puts them together too. So one is Deuteronomy 6 4 and 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And the statement, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one is really the basic creed of judaism and christianity because god is one and he's the only one um i think in many religions where they have i think it's the hindus that have hundreds of gods or but um this statement is the basic teaching for monotheism so just one one lord over everything um And when when Jesus quoted this portion of scripture from Deuteronomy, um, the Jews would have readily agreed with him because, I mean, with with all the surrounding nations, they're worshipping many pagan gods, um, but Israel worshipped one God. And then he goes on, um, that if we love the Lord God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our might, And all our strength. So four times in Mark, Jesus mentions the phrase all. I think too often we love God half-heartedly or half-mindedly or... um, Yeah, just we don't go all in. We have to love God with everything. In Luke 14, 26... If any man come to me and hate not his father and his mother and his wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Our love, our love for God, should be so strong that, in comparison, all these relationships that we have that we hold so dear should look like hatred, which is saying a lot. Uh, love, loving God, is what defines a believer. Uh, in the first part of Psalm 97:10, it says, Ye that love the Lord hate evil. And in 1 Corinthians 8:3, but if any man love God, the same is known of him. So loving God is what if what loving God is what defines a believer, then we are to hate evil. And if we love God, uh we are known of God and we know God. You can obey God without loving but when you truly, truly love God, it naturally leads to obedience. <clears throat> I thought that was a I read that and I thought it was a good point. It's with children it's sometimes easy to see when you're teaching them that they obey because they're told to obey and um But when, and I think the same goes for me, when I can obey God, I can obey, can I say, the rules. But when we truly love God and have God's heart in us, it naturally leads us to obedience or me. Uh, John 14, 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And so if... uh, Going on to the kind of the second part of Jesus' answer, the second commandment, if you want to say that. Love others as yourself. And the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. <clears throat> Jesus gave two commandments when the scribe asked him what the greatest commandment was. He kind of blended them into two. Um, I thought it was interesting. Uh, the I think I'd heard this before, but it stuck out to me. In the Ten Commandments, the first four commandments are about loving God. And the rest of the commandments are about loving our neighbors or loving others around us. <clears throat> I thought it was interesting. There's four about loving God, but then six about loving our neighbors. Leviticus 19.18 Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. We all love ourselves a lot. I don't think we even really quite grasp how much we love ourselves. Um, Pride and taking care of us come pretty easy. (laughs) I mean, we don't... Most of us don't really deny ourselves that many things, especially as Americans. I think it's pretty easy to just... Uh, really not have to worry about it Um, but so if that's the case and I'm not saying that's altogether like we should abuse ourselves or whatever but there's an aspect of are we caring about others the same way we care about ourselves do we really have that love for our neighbor along with loving God we must love our neighbors too it says uh, instead of carrying grudges or taking revenge against our neighbors, we must love them. Many people in our day and age carry grudges or hurts against each other that they won't let go. Um, Some even take it out, can I say, by harming other people or uh, getting even. Um, I know somebody that in their family there was a situation where two guys got in an argument over a I think it was like a lawnmower or something really stupid and the one just came back with a shotgun and shot the other guy dead and I mean that's a severe case of revenge but how often do we have hurts against others um and we just give them the cold shoulder or talk behind their back, blast them with the shotgun while they're not looking, can I say, or just, uh, we don't address that or go to them and talk about it, but instead we kind of let it fester. That that hinders, Well, one, it's it's not love, and so therefore can we be of God for doing that? In, uh, parable of the Good Samaritan, Um, Jesus defines a neighbor as anyone whom God brings in front of you. That's pretty sobering to think of all the people that uh, God brings in front of us. I think it's interesting. Um, I might turn there. Luke 10, 25. Then behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answered, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. I think this is a key to showing this man's heart. But he, willing to justify himself, said to Jesus, Who is my neighbor? Um, this, this lawyer answered rightly, and this is another case of a lawyer. Um, when I think of a lawyer, I don't usually think of somebody that studies the scripture, but I guess in their day and age, the lawyer was the one that studied the law of Moses. And so he was very studied on the law and he tempted him trying to catch him in a trap and he knew the right answer. He knew the law but he didn't have the heart of it. He wanted to justify himself. We cannot love God without loving our neighbors, and we can't fulfill one without fulfilling the other. If we love God, we will love our neighbors. And if we love our neighbors, we will love God. <clears throat> Romans thirteen eight. 8. Um, Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. The very act of loving your neighbor is fulfilling the law. We then, uh, Romans 15, we then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. But every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification or to deny ourselves so we can edify those around us and lift them up and draw them closer to Christ. Galatians 5.14 For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The entire law, the 613 laws, I guess you could say, was all wrapped up in that that we're to love our neighbors as ourselves. 1 John 3:14 through 18. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer: and ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us: And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion for him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Verse 14 stood out to me, the first one there. We know that we have passed from death unto life. We can have assurance of salvation. because we love the brethren. But then I thought that the last part was convicting. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. We all want to abide in life. But if we don't love our brother, then we're abiding in death. And then it says, if I mean, if we're abiding in death, can we really, I mean, so the opposite of love is hate. So if you hate your brother, it's like a murderer. And he says, ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. So, I don't know, just making all those connections, I guess, through there was pretty sobering. That we can have the assurance that we've passed from death into life by the evidence of our love for our brothers. But if we don't see that in our lives, I think we need to look hard at our relationship with God. Because... um, we're ab- if, if we don't love our brothers, then we're abiding in death. That's pretty, pretty strong language. And then verse 18. Let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. It's pretty easy to say the right words or um, talk about the right things or whatever. But to actually <laughs> love somebody in deed and truth is a lot harder. He that loveth not God... Oh, he that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother, whom he hath seen, how can he love God, whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God, loveth his brother also. It's from John, 1 John 4. <clears throat> if we follow both of these commandments... Uh, above, you would have followed the command. You would have followed all the commandments in Scripture. Really, it's all summed up in those two commandments. Um, love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. So, what are the implications of these commandments? If we truly love God and others, we will be we will be actively engaged in evangelism. We will be quick to forgive. We will help those in need, like we see in First John three. Uh, we will bear one another's burdens, like Romans fifteen says. Um, so then, another interesting part of back in Mark of um, the fair or the uh, scribe questioning Jesus was the scribe agreeing with Jesus' response. Uh, That would be in verse 32 and 33 of Mark 12. And the scribe said unto him, Well, Master, thou hast said the truth, for there is one God, and there is none other but he. And to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, and with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love his neighbor as himself is more than the whole burnt offerings and sacrifice. I think it's kind of interesting considering who Jesus was and who the scribe was that the scribe kind of, I don't know if I want to say passes judgment, but kind of, he says, you're right teacher. You know, like, I don't know, just kind of, um, he passes judgment on Jesus by saying, oh yeah, you got this right. Good job. I don't know. It's just like, if you, if he really understood who Jesus was, it's kind of an interesting aspect to think of, um, uh, him telling him. Of course Jesus is right, we think that. But at the same time, for him, he was questioning whether Jesus really had the authority or knew what he was talking about. And I think it's interesting, too, the scribe here also, he affirms what Jesus says and basically says the same thing, and he says it's more than the whole burnt offerings and sacrifice to love your neighbor. Which, you know, when you think about the Jews, they were pretty into their sacrifices and... Um, they were quite the ritual and the way, I guess, they um, they saw of earning their salvation. Um, so it's pretty amazing that he said it's more than the whole burnt offering and sacrifices. I think this the scribe really grasped what the law was trying to say. And I also think it's interesting. He said this to, to Jesus in the context of Jesus cleansing the temple out, um, you know, he just Jesus had just come in and disrupted their whole. Can I say their whole uh, show or whatever you want to call it, for lack of a better way to say it? But they he disrupted all the normal. Can I say things they've been doing for years and drove them all out, and then he still um, affirms cre- or Jesus in what he said and said it's it's more than all this loving. His answer was correct. Um, I want to read a, a little portion out of. First Samuel fifteen, just verse twenty-two. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. And then Hosea 6, six. For I desired mercy and not sacrifice and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. Um, I think the, uh, the scribe here in Mark knew all those passages and he realized that loving God and loving your neighbor was more important than all their burnt offerings and sacrifices When we love one another, we offer a sacrifice which is pleasing to God. So that brings us to verse 34. Um, And when Jesus saw that he answered him discreetly, he said unto him, Thou art not far from the kingdom of God. And no man after that durst ask him any questions. Jesus saw the scribe's answer was wise and affirmed what he was saying. He's told him, You're not far from the kingdom of God. He didn't say he was in the kingdom of God, though. He said, you're not far. Um, he also said the same to the lawyer in Luke, I believe, um, that he wasn't far from the kingdom. I think Jesus saw there that they weren't just, can I say, following the law for tradition's sake. or They were really trying to to understand the heart of the law, as you can see by their responses. But he said, you're not far from the kingdom of God. They hadn't come under the rule of God completely, but they were very near. Um, In order to come into the kingdom of God, it's not enough to just agree with Jesus' teaching. We have to submit to him and his will for us. Um, We can be born into a Christian family or come to church every week, hear powerful sermons on Sunday or Go to Bible schools and serve the Lord and yet still be far from the kingdom. Mm -hmm. I think it's, um, I heard this one inch outside is still outside. Um, we just have to submit and submit to Jesus and come under his blood. The scribe had knowledge, but the mere knowledge of the word will not save us. Submission to God and what God's word says saves us. Sincerity will not save you, but submission to Christ as your Lord will save you. After Jesus answered all those questions from chapter 11, I think is where it starts. Through this, it said, no one dared ask him any more questions. I think they were just blown away by his responses and just kind of they asked him all the hardest questions they, kind of, they could think of, and it just, his responses left nothing to be desired or nothing to be questioned. So, in closing, we're to love God and love people. So, some of us might not be far from the kingdom of God, but if we're not totally inside the kingdom of God, it's, it's still outside. Um, You can, we can be an inch away, like I said, from, hev- from heaven and still perish unless we submit our life to Christ. Uh, when we submit, we'll be, able to, we'll be able to truly love God, and then out of that will flow a true love for others. For those of us, for those of us who are born again, this uh, little meditation is a reminder that we need to passionately love God with all our being, and we need to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. So then I go back to what I read earlier about the implications of these commandments. Um, when, we, when we know that love of God and are submitted to it, um, and we truly love God, and out of that's flowing a love for others, we will be actively engaged in evangelism, telling others, not necessarily just going out and, can I say, preaching or whatever, but actively engaged in our everyday life in evangelism. How does that look like when you're out on the job or in the store or things like that we will also be quick to forgive Um, we won't hold grudges and we won't uh, can I say let others hurts Um, can I say drive us to despair or drive us away from the kingdom because um, we will forgive like Christ we will help those in need and we will bear others' burdens how how often do we ask somebody if you know if we see somebody with a down countenance or somebody that just doesn't seem like they're doing super well how often do we just come alongside them and ask them how we can help them in prayer or um, anything like that <clears throat> just encourage them and come alongside them and bear what is it Can you really bear somebody's burden unless you get close to them and uh, take the weight off their shoulders, can I say? So let's live a life of love. Let's not hold grudges against others, and let's not withhold forgiveness towards others. Let us love not only in word, but in deed. And last, let us ask God to pour out his love into our hearts through his spirit. Uh, Romans, in closing, Romans 55 And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us.